0: Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences.
1: I'm Dr. Misha Kogan, Associate Professor of Medicine here at GW and Medical Director of the GW Center for Integrative Medicine.
0: And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the office's administrative director. Today, I have some exciting news for you guys. Dr. Kogan and our guest, Dr. Joan Liebman-Smith, have a book coming out called Medical Marijuana, Dr. Kogan's
1: Evidence-Based
0: Guide to the Health Benefits of Cannabis and CBD, with a foreword by Dr. Andrew Weil.
1: Joan is an award-winning medical writer, medical editor, and medical sociologist. She's written five books on various healthcare topics, and her articles have appeared in print and online publications, including AARP Bulletin, Newsweek, Red Book, and the Huffington Post. She has served as a consulting editor for the dermatology service of the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center for the past eight years. And now she's in the studio with us. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Joan.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: It's so great to have you.
2: (laughs) It is good to have you. I'm glad to be here and collaborating with Dr. Kogan. So tell me about the book.
1: Well, um, Joan, I think you should go first.
2: Basically, it's a book for the general reader, but also we think it would be a wonderful book for the medical profession and medical students because it really explains what medical cannabis slash marijuana is and a Easy to read, comprehensive way. Um, It's not too scientific, and it's not too um, laid back. Uh, It's just a very comprehensive book that we start out with a um, quite a detailed history of how we got from having cannabis being a, a wonderful drug that cured a lot of things to being considered the devil's weed, and now it's back in favor again. And um, we want to explain that and then let people know um, the benefits and the risk because there are risks to every drug um, of this. And Dr. Kogan's um, wonderful case studies are throughout the book um, explaining how he recommends cannabis to his patients and how they fare. Um, and um, it's, it, um, it's an extremely useful guide for the general public and for the medical profession.
1: And it, you know, and it is written in a readable language in contrast to some other books where in they're either too academic or kind of following more of a clinical language. Uh, I think Jones' language of the book uh, is really makes it read, I, I mean, I wouldn't say as a novel, but definitely <laughs> with a lot of kind of funny points inserted and really (laughs) lively and easy
2: yes we have we have delightful sidebars about things like pot in the past and um cannabis quotes um so there there's a lot in the book um that people could find useful information and enjoyable information and a good read
0: if you make something accessible they will come
2: <laughs> Especially now that medical cannabis is legal in the majority of states, um, we have a much wider audience than we would have you know, a year or so ago,
0: or or even you know five years ago. Well,
2: five years ago, no one would buy this. Yeah, because, because they,
0: yeah, they'd be too scared. So so, what are the benefits of, of some of the benefits that that uh, that you guys write about in the book?
1: Well, that's a great question. Let me let me take this one. Um, you know, clinically speaking, cannabis is probably one of the most versatile and one of the most um, profound tools we have for a long list of symptoms, especially for conditions that uh, currently have very limited arsenal of treatments. So, you know, advanced cancer-related symptoms, advanced Alzheimer's-related symptoms. And um, I think that was a big reason for me to write the book, in a way, because I kind of felt I was telling the same different patients the same story over and over again, and I started realizing, look, nobody knows this, so I got to describe it in such a way that uh, readers can grasp it quickly and easily. So I think definitely for a variety of cancer-related symptoms, such as nausea, chronic cancer, pain, uh, chronic wasting syndrome from cancer. I mean, definitely for all those things that the cannabis has a, quite a clearly documented, very evidenced role to play. Uh, chronic pain, generally speaking, is, is coming at this point, uh, top indication and uh, 2017 um, comprehensive um, um, report by National Academies of Sciences put that up kind of in the forefront of evidence saying that there's conclusive and significant evidence of efficacy for all kinds of pains that are chronic for, uh, for adult population. And, um, so I think probably majority of recommendations that I make are for different types of chronic pain, but there are also, uh, very high efficacy for chronic insomnia, for, uh, anxiety in certain cases of depression for Mm -hmm. neuropsychiatric symptoms associated with alzheimer's disease basically i mean more of a kind of agitation and sundowning, and and disrupted circadian written those kind of issues Um, and you know and we're just touching i mean actually the 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 whole list is probably so long that you got to read the book because absolutely in, in, (laughs) in, in reality you can Take any organ system, and I will tell you, there's probably an application there of cannabis. So like for skin, all kinds of eczemas, rashes, uh, herpes infections. Um, actually, partially a uh, big reason at some point I said, okay, well, this is just too profound. I got to do something about it. When I cured my own lifelong herpes infection on my lips, that's, um, at that point I said, okay, this is so powerful that I kind of have to bring it up to the larger world.
0: Because you're right. There's so much that people don't know. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. we've done um, podcast episodes on medical marijuana and CBD before, and I always learn something new when I get you in the studio to talk about it.
2: Well, I think uh, Misha is definitely a renaissance man, a renaissance medical man, because he gives advice on everything from acne to Alzheimer's. Um, And I think that's why this book will have such wide appeal because it's not just for people in dire situations, although people with chronic debilitating conditions could get a lot out of it, but people suffering from skin conditions um, will get. We'll find out things they never knew. So, Misha, what are some of the difficulties?
1: Well, I mean, you know, we, we are, of course, quite well aware that, federally speaking, the cannabis is still... Prohibited substance. By the way, just a quick diversion. Notice that Joan uses word marijuana. I use word cannabis. And and. Uh, we can tell you a whole hour-long story how we kept <laughs> arguing through the book, and and you know we—I uh, don't say we were gotten into the fist fights, but it wasn't that far off of that. Yeah,
2: uh, it's, it's because we work at a distance, otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, no, frankly, no I, actual blood was shed no, in the making no of this blood
1: book. Was shed, no, but, but we
2: we still argue over the issue that I that I wanted marijuana in the title and Misha didn't, so he's yeah. he's not. He's still I angry at me for
1: it. The- i conceded <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's okay um anyway, so where were we oh yeah so <laughs> the the problems so, well, the problems says you know it's a still schedule one control substance and Because of that, I think there's still a lot of doctors who are quite uncomfortable with the topic. They feel like, how can they recommend it if the government prohibits it? Um, There's still a lot of misconception. There's just this sort of idea that, oh, my God, it's a highly addictive drug that kills people. Although, frankly, I'd say in the past maybe three to five years, that misconception is rapidly going away. Uh, I think... It's partially based on evidence. It's partially based on a simple fact that, well, guess what? There hasn't been a single death from cannabis in entire human history. And so, like I think it 's slowly catching up, um, and people also realizing that responsible use of any substances just comes with the territory like how, why we all know what can alcohol do if you don 't take it responsibly, so how is this that different that 's definitely one problem the, the other and and that also heavily restricts research, so we unfortunately just entering the the explosion of clinical research, which is needed to start understanding intricacies because Okay, well, it works for pain, but in what form? How mm-hmm. should it be started? Which patients should be aware and cautious about what? At what? Which interactions are you expecting with other pain pills, etc.? There's so many unanswered questions that only research can clarify. And if you have a controlled Schedule 1 uh, scheduled drug or, or cannabis in this situation, then the research is a lot harder. You know, the researchers yeah. have to get... Uh, DA Schedule One license for research, it has to be locked. It's, it's you know we brought Donald Abrams was one of our first podcast uh, presenters, right? Janet, mm-hmm, it's been mm-hmm. a long time ago, yes. and he spoke a lot about it. I mean, it's a mess when you're trying to do research with the with that level of scrutiny. So hopefully this will change. Um, of course, another problem we're talking about massive self regulating industry at the moment. Um, in terms of CBD and hemp. Um, so there's, of course, kind of, you know, carriage ahead of the horse there for sure in terms of claims and a lot of claims are kind of very vague. Yeah, the, fed- and- the, the
0: everyone, uh, the federal government is really trying to play catch up people.
1: Yeah. And like some of it, it's so funny, like, uh, I don't I think we're going to be able to touch up on say Delta ATHC or some of this other new cannabinoids coming up. They don't even know like how to classify them. They're they're sitting up there in the terms of the um, um, FDA and, and they really don't know how to frame it. So there's going to be some, the industry is way ahead of the game, so to speak. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of, Money gojing and a lot of, um, you know, shenanigans. Very shenanigans, very poor practices. But I think eventually the field will mature. There's already good signs of that. Um, definitely, the medical cannabis field is maturing rapidly with good players and good industry partners trying to actually do the good science. And you know, we trying to be ahead of the ball curve, so to speak. We are partnering at our university, GW, with company to conduct clinical trial and then some educational research. So, um, you know, I I think it's just a matter of kind of wave of evidence and wave of research shaping this field up going forward. But for now... um, Joan and I had a lot of fun writing this book.
2: <laughs> we, we, de- we definitely did. <laughs> so I, well, we,
1: we keep coming back to this because that's actually very true. I well, mean,
2: it, it's really. It's, what, what do you call me? Your other mother? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, wait, I, I called Joan my New York mom.
2: Yeah, um, because I mean, it's funny because. He's a young gerontologist and I'm an old sociologist and we think we make a great couple. We make a great partnership um, for this book. Um, uh, um, I never had a son, so I'm really happy to have Misha. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just I wanted to say another challenge that we bring out very well, I think, in the book is is that. That the consumer doesn't know how to buy products. They depend on bud tenders. These are the people in dispensaries. So we have the last chapter is how to to deal with them, how to read labels. And that's one of Misha's favorite topics because Mm -hmm. he's involved in developing standardized labels um, that he could talk more about. But we have pictures of labels and how to read them. And then, Misha, you want to talk about the standardized label that your colleagues
1: have developed? Yeah. So, Nathan, so, so there, um, I've been involved with Doctors uh, um, for Cannabis Regulation Organization for quite some time, and um, their founder and a leader has designed this whole system of universal labeling. And I, you know, whether the, the in the future the country will use his system or somebody else's system, that's of course to be determined. But the reality is, right now. Uh, there's no standard way that that um, uh, medical dispensaries label their products. So, you know, you can go to one state, find one kind of label and another state, another label. So the problem is, when you're working with a product in the medical terms, you have to be able to calculate exact, precise amount of milligrams of, say, THC or CBD equivalent. And you have to know the terpenes. You have to understand the delivery concentration. So, for example, you know, it, it could be, uh, five milligrams in a drop, or, or it could be a milligram in a drop, and that's a huge difference. So, you have to be able to do all this math and advise patients accordingly. So, if your label just says, well, 80% THC, here's here's a bottle of 30 milliliters, okay, well, what, you know, so the, the problem is, unfortunately, due to this lack of standard labeling, often patients overdose, underdose, they really, it loss as to kind of how to precisely use it, Joan mentioned butt tenders, as we call them. Well, the problem with them, some of them are great and quite experienced, but then there's also a lot of people that are completely clueless about medicine or, and they're just, they're not even fully aware of some of the intricacy of their own products. You know, they may know some basic details and, and tell patients something and, I tell you, in the book we cover a whole bunch of stories, what happens when the wrong recommendation is given and why the patients are really at loss if they don't have a good advice.
0: Hopefully this book will be in every dispensary in America.
2: Well, Thank great, you. I hope so. I hope too. so. <laughs> that's yeah. a great uh, idea. Because we don't knock the dispensaries at all. We you know, we talk about the challenges they have and um and this will help educate the bud tenders. But also Misha has an, another strong opinion, and which I totally agree with, that every dispensary should have a medical person on staff, be it a mm-hmm. pharmacist, uh-huh. a doctor, a practitioner. Some of them do, but some of them don't. And with medical cannabis, it's an issue. Um, you have someone coming in who's under cancer treatment, and they might you know, not be given the right thing or have a reaction. So...
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the times we have, uh, especially in my population that I, more more than half of my patients are, you know, older, frail, or very medically complex. And a lot of those patients are very sensitive to the different substances, not just to cannabis. And so, you know, often the recommendations are so high for them and they have to start with such a lower dose than what the what they're told in dispensary that I Mm -hmm. on a regular basis have patients calling me with, you know, not the ones that I'm, you know, when the ones that I work with, I always tell them exactly how they need to do it, but patients who are coming, finding me after bad experience, you know? And so, so I hope that part of the uh, reason that we thought to kind of be very clear in the book is we want to avoid uh, patients not getting a good trial because unfortunately, uh, once the patient has a bad experience, the, 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 the sort of the evidence shows that it's very unlikely they're going to try again, and that often is sad because in reality it could have been really helpful for them if they would have started low and gradually increased the dose and started with the right type of product to find out right you know
0: route.
2: what works for you.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's another thing.
2: Misha has wonderful, ma- well, I call them marijuana mantras, but. <laughs> can- can- <laughs> <laughs> Cannabis mantras—it doesn't have the same well, alliteration. It, it, so, Misha's marijuana mantras—you want—they're yeah, very good, yeah, and they not, are throughout not the book. It's Just
1: mine. I think it's everybody's. It's, you it know, doesn't matter. Yeah, we,
2: it's, you could take yeah, credit for it's, it. Right. It's your book. It's <laughs> our book.
1: Yeah, it's it's a start low, go slow, and deliver where it needs to go. So, always start with a very low dose. Make sure that decreases chances of overdose. Um, go slow. So increase those very gradually. Don't just go from, say, one milligram to 10 milligrams, you know, go up from one to two or even less, and then from two to three, et cetera, and gradually taper it up until you get efficacy. And actually deliver where it needs to go. That's the often not the one that, that advocated. So I'm a big fan putting cannabis close to the target tissue. So if you have, let's say, a skin problem, well, why would you swallow it? You know, if you can put it right on the problem. Topical. Exactly. Put it topically. If you have uh, erectile pain or back pain, well, guess what? The the suppositories may actually be, not maybe, it's most likely going to be my first choice of delivery route because it delivers it right close to the area and thus probably decreasing the total amount of cannabinoids. And for me, I always pay attention to cost. I'm not sure about other providers, but for me, You know, this is unfortunately never covered by insurance at the moment, although we can talk a little bit about some of the current, like New Jersey, for example, is trying to push for medical cannabis insurance coverage. We'll see how that goes. But currently, patients have to pay out of pocket for both medical cannabis card and then for the product. So trying to get the cost as low as possible is actually pretty important because unfortunately, it's pretty pricey unless patients willing to do everything themselves grow the product and then do the, do the product you know make the products from the plant. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not just uh, requires certain expertise but very few people practically willing to do it for. It variety of reasons so sometimes i would recommend getting a starting oil and then making different like a topical product out of it but again that requires amount of work and most of our patients are really not able to do it
2: but on on a positive note about dispensaries a lot of them are aware of this and they're offering discounts to seniors cancer patients Mm -hmm. people who really have you know certain problems and are having difficulty so um you know, there there is some awareness on the on the part of the industry, I think. Uh I have very little faith in the insurance industry. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I, yeah. I think once they're beginning to realize the potential of savings, um I I actually have some you're right Joan I, I'm also have very little faith in them yeah. but at the same time money talks right so once they and, start seeing uh, or not them but the uh, politicians and, and policymakers once they start seeing a huge potential for cost savings from what what I often like to call cannabis as get away drug mm-hmm. um, and you know because of that I think um future is bright in a way i i don't know yeah how it yes but happen.
2: but if if it's an exit drug the pharmaceutical company are not happy with that because true.
1: Um, that, that's, so that's we true. have we that's have
2: true. a lot of enemies out there that's <laughs> true
1: that, that's well i mean they're not necessarily unhappy they're just trying yeah. to catch the same train they're designing right. all kinds of there's a massive uptick in in uh pharmaceutical companies a uh, uh, creating different cannabinoid products you know whether they are extracting natural cannabinoids but then patenting the extraction process or they're just making synthetic cannabinoids there's a major major pharmaceutical interest in in that from commercial perspective right
0: yeah so misha you just brought up natural versus synthetic Mm -hmm. what is your preference
1: well, I always default for natural, but not necessarily because I'm somehow thinking that, oh, my God, THC synthetically is going to be bad versus THC. Nat-. No, it, the issue is really more in terms of we do know what's called an entourage effect. So when you mix active key cannabinoids, like let's just, for argument's sake, say THC and CBD, um, and then uh, mixing it with other uh, plant-derived constituents, which are minor, but then in combination with other, uh, with major ones, they're dramatically enhancing the impact, clinical impact. Uh, And, you know, this is actually very typical of botanical uh, principles. So it's, we do know, let's say, um, take any plant you want, um, there could be an, an active ingredient, but if you isolate that active ingredient, you're not always getting the, um, same efficacy as the whole plant can give you. And that is because of this entourage effect. So cannabis is not alone in that, but cannabis is a great example of a a massive difference. So um, for that reason, I almost always uh, default in treatments of patients, especially new patients, to something we call full extract cannabis oil, which is generally speaking, in my opinion, one of the best ways to take it, whether it's sublingual, oral, it's, or even topical. But um, the idea is that you're getting an uh, extract that contains everything that the original plant has.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also, you know, a lot of people using uh, entire flour, you know, they may not necessarily, I'm not a huge fan of inhaled products, especially in, in my geriatric population who already have um, potentially some long problems trying to put anything inhaled, regardless of evidence, just just to me feels a bit more, um, concerning from side effect profile, but um, uh, you know you could also use the whole plant in as a poultice and as a tea and as a tincture. So there's so many different ways it can be used as a plant-based medicine, not as a as an ex, as an extract or, or concentrated pharmaceutical. Having said that, I'm pretty sure that the industry will take a niche here in terms of the pharma. I, I have no doubt in that, um, and. But I also feel strongly that this is a, one of few examples where I think um, botanical will coexist with pharmaceutical, mostly because it's just hard to imagine how the pharma going to be able to capture the enterash effect. And even more so, how will they be able to account for all this variance and all this perturbations of different combinations of different, um, uh, constituents. And, you know, there's something like, we were just talking about this, John, there's like, what, 130 different cannabinoids or something yes. that are, yeah. that are known. Um, there's probably a lot more that are unknown. And then on top of that, there are all kinds of other active ingredients, flavonoids, terpenes. So terpenes are the smell molecules.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, how do you, isolate all that and and, you know it's probably never going to happen or if it will happen not anytime soon and so I think the medical or uh, botanical rather cannabis is not going anywhere it's going to be growing rapidly expanding and I think what's really exciting is is, um, that we will be starting to um, look into research of using different cannabinoids for specific conditions that are currently have no treatments like for example i'm super excited about cannabis for alzheimer's disease and i do think that even though currently i, I can say that we don't have a clear protocol to say if you take this type of cannabis your cannabis will, your uh, alzheimer's will reverse but i'm actually optimistic that we will have this in the future and the same with cancer I mean we do know that cannabinoids are very potent anti-cancer molecules THC and CBD and others but we just don't know what that means in terms of the actual human illness and so we need research we need to answer so many different questions
2: research is always key research the
1: key. is always key
2: luckily there I was just going to say, luckily, there is some research going on in Europe, in more liberal countries, so um, out of Israel and and some other countries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we have some information coming through, which is very helpful. but we also,
1: we do have an explosion of research in the U.S. And and, um, I think, Janet, you also participated in a recent NIH workshop on cannabis and cancer. And, you Mm -hmm. know, it's pretty clear that there is... Uh, Renaissance and resurgence of the interest, and and frankly, um, it feels that even the NIH is in investing and, and interested. So that that tells us now. It it doesn't make certain things easier. It just makes it um, you know. It just basically enhances the future, I believe. But I still think that politically speaking, it has the the Schedule One got to go. It, It's obvious to everybody who has half brain, so to speak, and able to see this topic from clinical perspective, realizing how profound the efficacy is, and yet uh, politicians seems to be here kind of dragging their feet. So I hope that somebody will listen to this and say, "Oh, okay, well, maybe we... Maybe I can change. If, if one listener to this podcast is a politician who say, hmm, maybe I should change opinion, I would say, goal is achieved. <laughs>
2: I love your optimism, Misha. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, if I survived <laughs> Russia and... Yeah, I was going to I, say, I, it, I it,
2: it's your Russian upbringing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a funny funny point, right? In Russia, cannabis is completely prohibited. It's still considered to be just as bad as heroin and, and they're not even willing to bring this up. So I think part of my kind of early adoption Adopting this topic was one of those, you know, internal rebellion against mm-hmm. former Russian uh, uh, extreme attitude to this topic. And, you know, and since I've actually uh, partnered with the, uh, uh Dr. Yuval and Dr. Zrayalovic from Israel, and they've worked very closely with some of the leaders in Russian medical education. And we've published uh, several articles on sort of medical student attitudes in Russia towards cannabis um, it's pretty interesting. It, it, I hope that uh, sooner or later that countries that take really they'll, negative... That
0: they'll move beyond the reefer madness beyond. stage.
1: That's right. Well, Misha's hoping right. to get
2: the book published in That's Russia. Right. We can I, get...
1: We're already researching <laughs> we're this. Right, That's right. hope right. for, for translation. That's, and guess yeah. what? I can get some money for translating the book.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the book is going to be released later this month. Um, where can folks buy it?
2: <laughs> the internet,
1: <laughs> Amazon, so, um, Amazon. I think everywhere, right? This, everywhere. Uh, it's uh, Avery, which is a Penguin Random House uh, publishing. So, oh, it'll
0: be everywhere.
1: Everywhere. everywhere. Barnes and Noble's Books a Million, Bookshop.org Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell, Target, <laughs> and Walmart. So Whoa. choose your choose your you, um, internet hub or your. You or sound like you sound
2: store. like an ad man. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish there were more bookstores because i think when people go through the through the shelves this book would stand out um which is actually another reason why i wanted medical marijuana in the title because there are at least 50 books with medical cannabis in the title and if people are looking for this ours would stand out
1: yeah uh, yeah 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 (laughs) And on no. That, okay, on, I, I, on I realize that, note. that being a doctor doesn't always mean I'm right, right? That's right.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that's all the time we have today, and thank you both for being in the room and talking about this fascinating topic.
2: And thank you. Uh, this is very enjoyable, and it's always great to talk to Bisha again. And someday we'll be together in person. Yep. We're getting closer to that,
1: and I hope that we will not stop working together. We have some ideas for the future, so oh Absolutely. yeah, I can I can see
0: more books coming out of the both of you. Mm. Absolutely, he's a great co-author
2: or senior author.
1: <laughs> well, I, I would put a plug that this book would never have would happen without Joan, just because you know I'm I'm a terrible writer, and um, I I think. The fact that not only you were able to kind of capture my um, attempt at entertaining the public and delivering the knowledge, but also I think you you captured really well my philosophy of how I think about this topic and how I always want to think integratively and holistically and how the cannabis marijuana fits into this. So thank you. Thank you, everybody.
0: Well... This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health.
1: I'm Dr. Misha Kogan.
0: And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks Thanks for listening. Thanks
1: for listening.